from everybody. Uh, the reason I decided to add this clip in is two weeks ago, an episode some of you have heard, some haven't. Uh, we lost the files too. Uh, we uh, I we discussed uh, the coup in Myanmar and the uh, resistance movement against it, and I remarked uh, that you know it's great that. At that time, no one was murdered uh, by the military. Uh, that has quite obviously changed in the last two weeks, and I wanted in some way uh, to include uh, a recognition of that in today's episode and uh, to make sure people who uh, did uh, listen to that episode through our live stream uh, understand that the situation has changed um, if they haven't already and to uh, take another opportunity to express our full support for the resistance movement in Myanmar. Um, and we, uh, and I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of this video. Again, sorry for the technical difficulties. Goodbye. Hello, to drink and welcome. Sorry, yeah. sorry, man. <laughs> 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 I don't care what they call me. They can call me a Marxist, a Jesuit, a flat earther, a Trotskyite, a vegetarian. I don't care what I'm called. Because I know why they call us names. It's because they dare not face Welcome to Most Moderate, a podcast where our demands most moderate are, we only want the earth. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. My name's Alex. I'm Esten. And I'm Miguel. Fuck yeah, first try. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Second try. And yeah, I am drinking beer. Hell yeah. It's 10.50 in the morning. <laughs> I can't be doing that. Uh Here's what you can expect uh, to hear about in today's episode. In our ever, ever creatively named segment, The News, we'll discuss growing tensions in Northern Ireland post-Brexit. And our main topic of discussion is how we consume the news. And we'll also be having a fun little time where we share our recommendations for uh, left-wing or just uh, news outlets that we enjoy. Uh, so now, on to the... Oh, and Miguel will be uh, bringing us a story uh, from Spain. So, on to the news. Miguel, how about you uh, let our listeners find out what great news is coming out of Spain right now? Uh... It's, I'm, I'm going to start with just saying it's awful. Uh, so there have been over the past week or a couple of weeks, two surveys that have been released about uh, the pandemic and mental health uh, or the pandemic in general. And the results are not particularly uplifting. So uh, one survey from a week ago by the uh, Superior Center for Scientific Research uh, asked people how would they would describe their anemic state right now. And a lot of people said bad or very bad, 
in particular young people there are more young people who said bad or very bad than young people who said good or very good young being 18 to 29 in this particular study uh, then as population gets older people apparently are feeling better and better uh, but young people uh, thir a whole third of the population said that they are feeling badly or very badly uh, so that's great and then another survey from a couple of days ago uh, by the Sociological Investigation Center uh, asked people how they were feeling about the pandemic and a series of reactions that they might have had. So 20% of people, more or less, said that they have felt depressed or hopeless often or very often. 15% of people have had panic or anxiety attacks. 35% of people have cried because of the pandemic. And there were a lot of other results, but these were just some that I highlighted because I found them particularly, well, I guess interesting might be a word, but uh, also very, very bad. <laughs> uh, and I think that obviously uh, the pandemic uh, has been really bad on people's mental health. I also think it's interesting that here in Spain, young people are hit hardest. And I think that's not just the pandemic, that's also, well, the state of the economy and like 50% youth unemployment rate or something like that. Uh, I don't think it's just the pandemic that's affecting people's mental health. And I think that we are going to be seeing a lot more of these stories if we ever get out of the pandemic. Wow, that's really optimistic. It's a good way to start the show. Some happy news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe I've uh, from unhappy to happy to get today. It would be uh, always like, trusted to Miguel to bring us the happiest of news. How do we tie it to fascism? That's my question. <laughs> Oh, oh, there uh, was an awful, an awful video oh, I'll get making there. the round. So I've, uh... <laughs> Everybody starts talking at once. <laughs> so I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, so, yeah, I started looking around. Um, as you guys know, I could not sleep last night. And so, I, one second. I, I have those YouTube videos in the background, and they keep playing. So, Stop it, BBC. One moment. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just started having a BBC news reporter talking in my ears. Uh, so, I, I I couldn't sleep last night, so I turned on France 24, 24-hour uh, stream on my TV. And I've never watched France 24 at 3 o'clock in the morning, but they are running this uh, segment on uh, France's declining uh, birth rate. And due to COVID, you know, France uh, has the highest uh, birth rate among Euro Europeans, uh, mostly due to... Uh, the social safety nets and the incentives for French people to make babies. Uh, quite progressive in that regards and uh, the benefits you have uh, for having children. 
uh, which was passed in the 1930s to encourage people to have kids, which what else do you expect from a heavily Catholic country? Um, too many kids. But um, so COVID's been shown uh, to rapidly uh, decrease the birth rate in uh, in Spain. In France, in, the, in France, I should say. Uh, and it's also around the world has resulted in a uh, a uh, decrease in the amount of premature births, which no one knows really the reason for that. But so there's been a lot of like knock on like health effects within our society uh, that people didn't necessarily think of uh, at first when we started fearing uh, this virus. Um, I one of my biggest concerns in this fire uh, during this pandemic has been uh, people trapped in abusive households and how that like being just being trapped in with an abusive spouse or abusive partner and not being able to move out or leave them uh, because where else are you going to go? Quite literally trapped uh, with this pandemic and just the knock-on effects of what this last year and a half uh, is going to uh, have in the future is uh, what I I find particularly interesting and worrying. Um, Like, everyone's had a bad fucking year but how are, are people going to get over it is uh, uh, is a fear I have um, well there are certainly ways to get over it you just need a lot of money and like Kanye West and Kim Kardashian you can rent a private island and have a big party over there so there are certainly our ways but not for all of us. Mm. That or you can get a hologram of your dead father. That <laughs> that might help. Uh, I don't so know. thank you. Thank you again, Miguel, for this uh, heart piece. Um, <laughs> do you guys, Alex, Aston, do you have any uh, comments on this story? Yeah, for sure. Like um, the the first observation for me is that when the uh, pandemic began, I thought uh, like now the people would have, uh, have uh, would start having a lot of babies, uh, solely to the fact they're at home and you know a lot of uh, a lot of babies are made when uh, two adult people are at home alone and have a lot of time, um, like around Christmas or um, these events. And that doesn't seem to be the case because in Germany we had a, a similar study just published uh, that uh, said basically the same, like in the pandemic, the uh, child birth rate and the child conception rate too went down. And mm-hmm. another thing I want to stress here is um, the uh, socio-psychological reaction to uh, what the pandemic means to our lives. Because, uh, of course, there is this uh, problem with depression that comes with uh, being forced to be at home and stuff. Um, But in the end, it's just like 
a sign of the things that are to come on us uh, as soon as climate change worsens and uh, we will have to yeah, battle problems that are just more serious and um, if this I say small or little pandemic just sends us all into a uh, yeah into a state of despair I don't want or uh, yeah I, I do but I don't want to imagine what life's gonna be like in 10 years from now if yeah. uh, the yeah, if uh, institutes like uh, the Club of Rome are correct in their analysis. Yeah. Well, it's also, there's just generally an issue with um, so many people who have lost loved ones uh, this year. Uh, you know, in America, we've had over 10 9-11 basically this year. Um, that's going to leave a a scar on the generation right it, it's going to happen Esten do you have anything cheery to add to this story fact that, that I discovered um, you said so 9-11 like 3,000 people died right roughly and then in the United States there's been 500,000 deaths so that's um, 167 9-11s um, and I think this just goes to show how much <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God. and I think this just goes to show how much Americans would rather use anything but the metric system to measure things um, but I guess it's numbers so it doesn't really apply in the same sense but uh, it's it's still there um, yeah uh, yeah but I'm pretty sad and I'm just gonna get more sad um, I can't really, I have a funny story. I, I tried to go to a farm today to get a job and, uh, it was like an industrial fucking farm. Like he was like, can you drive the huge fertilizer combine like machines? And I was like, no, no, I can like work with my hands. And he was like, okay, well, I don't have a job for you unless you can drive a huge, like industrial factory, like farm machine. And I was just like super depressed. Uh, yeah. So I can't even like get farm work. Um, so here I am. Here I am talking to you guys, yeah, getting you, drunk. You need you need a license for that in Germany, but I know, I know, I need it's... a license. But he didn't even care. He was he didn't care about the license. He was gonna pay me a lot less money, you know, and like do it under the table sort of deal. Uh, but I still wasn't qualified for that. Ah, uh, yeah. In Germany, you really shouldn't do something like this because uh, prosecution is uh, most relentless when it comes to money issues in Germany, I can tell yeah. you, except you're super rich, but uh, I don't want to offend you, but you don't seem super rich. No, I'm, that's not offensive. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I was about to say, this man has a lot of kindred spirits here in Oklahoma. <laughs> We're just going to pay everyone <laughs> under the table, don't care if you have a driver's license, uh, I don't care if you have a food handler's permit, you're good. Uh, just uh, <laughs> don't threaten to unionize and uh, just uh, pretend you're a customer when the uh, health inspector comes by. That's kind yeah. of just driving the fertilizer in the middle of a field. Like I'm shopping yep. for potatoes, sir. I don't know. What... <laughs> don't get pulled over. Uh, that's basically the Oki way. Uh, all right. If you guys, as we move on to our next story, which is also cheery, 
you know, um, we're going into to Northern Ireland, which is always a good thing to take a look at. <laughs> Brexit once again dividing the United Kingdom. Northern Ireland loyalist groups withdrawing their support for the historic Good Friday peace agreement, citing the contentious Northern Ireland Protocol, which governs Irish sea trade post-Brexit. An umbrella group representing the paramilitary sent a letter to British Prime Minister Boris Johnson on Wednesday. It says the temporary withdrawal will continue until unfettered UK trade access is ensured. It added, if you or the EU is not prepared to honour the entirety of the agreement, agreement, then you will be responsible for the permanent destruction of the agreement. The 1998 Good Friday Agreement was a peace deal that ended three decades of violence between Catholic nationalists and Protestant UK loyalists over whether Northern Ireland remained part of the United Kingdom. While the letter stresses unionist opposition should remain peaceful and democratic, alarm bells are sounding in Dublin, London and Brussels. To avoid a hard border with Ireland post-Brexit, goods arriving into Northern Ireland from Great Britain should be subjected to increased checks and paperwork. But Wednesday, the UK government took unilateral action to extend until October, a grace period that limits the amount of red tape. The EU says this violates the Brexit agreement and that the UK should not have made the decision alone. The EU says it will respond with legal action in accordance with the Brexit deal. Um, I will now uh, read the letter that uh, these... Uh, Ulster Unionists uh, uh, sent to uh, Her Majesty's government and the EU. Uh, so, pardon me. So, this is dated uh, March 3rd uh, to uh, the Right Honorable Boris Johnson, uh, Member of Parliament, Prime Minister at 10 Downing Street, London. Uh, the Northern Ireland Protocol. I'm Roy writing to you as chairman of the Loyalist Communities Council, uh, LCC, which is representative of the main loyalist groups that supported the 98 Belfast Agreement, and also as someone who served as one of the Ulster Unionist negotiators in the talks that led to the Belfast Agreement. I have no doubt that you are aware of the strong feelings in Northern Ireland regarding the imposition of the Northern Ireland Protocol, but I wish to place on record the unanimous opposition of all the groups that are represented by the LCC to the protocol and our determination that it should be replaced. We are concerned about the disruption to trade and commerce between Northern Ireland and the rest of the United Kingdom that is occurring, but our core objection is much more fundamental. Throughout the Brexit negotiations, Her Majesty's government and the European Union stated that it was paramount to preserve and protect the Belfast Agreement and its safeguards to both communities in Northern Ireland. Indeed, the clauses to the protocol repeatedly quote these objectives. The operation of the protocol, however, repeatedly breaches these objections. Objectives, I should say. There has been no consent sought for the protocol from the Northern Ireland population, and our political representatives are unanimous in their opposition to it. Again, this breaches one of the declared aims of the protocol. This is in stark contrast to the Gibraltar Protocol, where the Gibraltar administration was a party to the negotiations with Spain and the EU, where the consent of their representatives was sought and obtained.
and where Gibraltar representatives sit on the oversight committee with Spain and the European Union. As signatories to the Belfast Agreement, we entirely understand the strong representations from Irish nationalists that there should be no hard border on the island of Ireland. Equally, it should be self-evident that there should be no hard border, either physical or regulatory, between Northern Ireland and the rest of the United Kingdom. The protocol, however, gives effect to the Irish nationalist position at the expense of the Unionist position. This renders it in variance with the agreement it purports to uphold and undermines the basis on which the combined Loyalist military command agreed to the 94 ceasefire and subsequent support for the Belfast Agreement. It may interest you to know that the EU's chief negotiator repeatedly refused to meet with our representatives who were signatories to the Belfast Agreement, even though we pointed out the one-sided and disingenuous representations being made to him from Republicans and the Irish government. We were able to make these points to the Irish Foreign Minister, Simon Cavani, uh, TD, who chose to ignore us. Indeed, his actions and remarks served to heighten tensions in Northern Ireland throughout the negotiations, and he is responsible for destroying the positive relationships between the Irish government to make the strength of feeling on this issue right across the Unionist family. The only time I can remember such unanimity of opposition was following the imposition of the Anglo-Irish Agreement in 85. Accordingly, I have been instructed to advise you that the Loyalist groupings are here with withdrawing their support for the Belfast Agreement and its institutions until our rights under the agreement are restored and the protocol is amended to ensure unfettered access for goods, services, and citizens throughout the United Kingdom. If the EU is not prepared to honor the entirety of the agreement, then it will be responsible for the permanent destruction of the agreement. The LCC is prepared to play a meaningful role in seeking a workable solution. However, the starting point has to be acceptance that a hard border on the island of Ireland or between Northern Ireland and the rest of the United Kingdom has no cross-community support here and is therefore untenable. It must be patently obvious to you that the triggers detailed in Article 16 of the Protocol, i.e. the extreme economic and societal difficulties now pertain and must be acted upon without further delay. I have been instructed to write in similar terms to the Irish uh, Taoiseach, uh, Irish President, uh, signed David Campbell, Chairman, Loyalist Communities Council. Uh, Scott, I never thought I'd agree with a unionist in Northern Ireland, um, but a broken clock is right twice. You know, it's maybe as if the UK should not have left the, the European Union, uh, almost as if that was a very bad eye, that bad idea that wasn't thought through. Uh, but I, I really don't see a way forward. Uh, for uh, the British government in this situation. Uh, either they put a hard border um, of Ireland and restart the troubles, or they uh, keep the current regulatory 
border and the uh, and the in between the UK and Northern Ireland and the Ulster Unionists, there's a threat of terrorism uh, from them as well. Or they say, fuck the European Union and Ireland, we're not going to enforce uh, regulatory or physical borders, uh, which would be in violation of the uh, Brexit agreement and uh, would just throw all of that agreement away. Uh, and both Ireland and so uh, the so Boris Johnson's administration uh, as was mentioned in the news clip uh, attempt is attempting to uh, push back the hard uh, regulatory border uh, between Northern Ireland and the UK for another six weeks already in violation of the uh, Brexit deal and both Ireland and the whole EU is pissed, and there's uh, members of parliament, uh, including uh, a German uh, guy, who uh, are talking about uh, th throwing away the deal entirely, saying they will not uh, support it. Uh, so really, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Uh, as someone with Irish Republican sympathies, I'm, I am going to say, fuck the Ulster Unionists, uh, but I, I do not envy the British government in this situation. What is your, What are your guys' thoughts? Well, I don't envy them either, but they sort of put themselves in that situation. Uh, I mean, like, even before Brexit happened, uh, like, the question of Ireland already seemed like it was going to be a major problem if it ended up happening and like mm -hmm. there aren't that many options either you separate northern ireland from ireland northern ireland from the rest of the uk or you don't separate the uk from the european union at all that's essentially it and like the whole question of northern ireland has been this all the time like the backstop thing that happened uh, the like the Attempts at an agreement that happened, the, the question of Northern Ireland has always been a sticking point because mm -hmm. there aren't that many options and all of them are bad to some people. So, yeah. or bad, or just bad, or plain bad. So, well, I don't know that there's going to be. Bad for everyone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, just, Alex uh, Aston. Got anything to add? Just this week, I was uh, watching a documentary on uh, the role that, um, yeah, there was certain companies that call themselves institutes, and uh, in exchange for money, they write reports on certain issues. And uh, we'll talk later about our favorite news sources, but it was again a documentary uh, published by Arte. Um, they uh, went to such an institute in London and posed as an American farmer. And he was uh, looking for a report on how uh, legislation that would make it easier for American meat to enter the British market uh, would, be a, a, would be a benefit for all parties. And 
of course, uh, they wrote this report because uh, there was money to be made. And the, the point is that they wanted to show how these kinds of reports that heavily influence actual policies, also on the question of Ireland on, and Northern Ireland, uh, heavily influence uh, policy making. And they interviewed a guy, uh, I think it was an LCC guy as well, who uh, talked about his, uh, his experiences with the people of this institute, uh, who just came to the border and were having a lot of crazy ideas uh, on how to uh, make a hard border between Ireland and Northern Ireland without actually having it look like an, a border. And the crux of all of this was it wasn't possible. Like there was, were a lot of crazy ideas, like uh, having scanners below the road surface that would check uh, imports and exports and stuff without having uh, actual police or uh, toll officers uh, checking the physical goods. And uh, the end of the the end of all of this was uh, having a, a hard border between Northern Ireland and Ireland and without having it look like an, a hard border was just impossible. So in the end, the uh, guy from the Institute just went back to London and finished his report without having one word written on how the communities in Northern Ireland just don't want to have a hard border and next to Ireland. And yeah. it's, it's a perfect showcase on how uh, money in this case screws uh, policies that affect us all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Aston, you have anything to add? Uh, I mean, you guys, we've been talking about it for a while here. I think I agree with what everybody else has been saying, that it was, um, we saw it coming, and uh, it's really fucked. I don't know. I wouldn't, yeah. I don't really have anything, like, like I'm, monumental I'm, to add. Of I, course I would say... Continue. Go ahead. Okay. Of course, uh, as as Miguel uh, already said it, uh, you can always say they had it coming or something. But I can always just say this with a heavy heart because uh, the the whole campaign, the whole Brexit campaign, was well constructed in in terms of PR and uh, just how they marketed themselves. Mm -hmm. And a lot of uh, people that won't. Uh, benefit from a Brexit also voted for it and what I see here is uh, mostly the younger generations people like in in our age um, will have to work with the consequences and that what makes me really sad like uh, the the best possible solution is I see is revert all the progress made just uh, just make the UK stick to the EU and another positive thing I see here is uh, maybe we can uh, make the UK use uh, the euro as well because the UK already had a pretty uh, a pretty special role in the EU but now we can we could uh, force them to accept uh, all the rules the other countries have to uh, follow as well See, oh, I, like when they join again, Bre yeah. Brent, you're talking <laughs> well, about Brenter. 
So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, no, I know. <laughs> really, I think there's a few things we're going to have to keep an eye out for moving forward. One is the reaction of the Biden administration. Uh, Biden is a Irish American Catholic uh, with like one of the only interesting things about Joe Biden is his connections to Sinn Féin. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of the White House. Um, but what's more than likely is I think the Tories are just going to shove this down uh, the unionists' throats. And I think it'll be an interesting uh, situation in the next general election, whether or not the Ulster Unionist parties uh, form a governing coalition with uh, the Tories uh, because they are pretty much the swing uh, votes uh, in a lot of the national uh, in the national makeup of the, uh, the parliament there. So uh, those are things I would say we get, we're going to keep an eye out for. Um, in Myanmar, police have broken up demonstrations in several places with tear gas and gunfire, but there's no immediate word on casualties. The French president, Emmanuel Macron, has repeated his call for an immediate end to repression and respect for the democratic choice of the Myanmar people. He tweeted that France is at your side. Hundreds of mourners this morning have attended a funeral for a 19-year-old protester whose face has gone viral on social media. Angel, known as Jelsin, was among 38 protesters killed yesterday. She was shot in the head while on the streets of Mandalay. Our Southeast Asia correspondent Jonathan Head is following the story from Bangkok. It is remarkable that people are uh, out occupying the streets again after what was done to them yesterday. I and mean, I think the, the level, scale of the violence yesterday and the way in which people were gunned down, were rounded up in mass arrests and were savagely beaten, really laid open the strategy of the military authorities, which is, I, I think to put it bluntly, simply to terrorise people back off the streets to try to regain control of a country that is now in a nationwide uprising. Whatever the cost, uh, there was no attempt whatsoever to minimise casualties. And indeed, videos we've seen circulating on social media show both police and soldiers gloating over the fact that they intend to go out and kill people. They're making it very obvious uh, most of those killed yesterday had either head or chest wounds. This is a, a, a deliberate shoot-to-kill policy, and yet people are out again. And when we talk about them coming out, you need to understand how the strategies evolved. They're not just rallying and marching in now. They're actually barricading their neighbourhoods, sometimes quite impressively, in a sense to deny the military government the control on the ground. And that's what the police and army have been going in to try to stop. But those barricades are becoming bigger and harder to move. So it's, this is actually you know, a real fight going on for control of Myanmar between its people I mean, huge numbers of whom support this movement and a military that is still struggling to its, assert its authority. Jonathan, does it seem that the violence from the military and the deaths are making people even more likely to come out on the streets, people who were more angry? Or is there any sense that, that it's acting as a deterrent and that fear is putting people off? I suppose it probably depends on, on the individuals. Look, lots of people are still coming out, young people, people who say that, you know, they've got to do this now. This is, remember, an incomplete coup. It's not, the military has not established this authority. It's not yet recognised internationally. And these, these protesters going out there feel that if they don't stop the military now, their country is going to be cast back into the ghastly years of repression and military rule that they experienced 
um, back in the 1970s, 80s and 90s. And that's what, why they're willing to come out and risk their lives. And to some degree, you know, they're accepting the fact that some of them are going to be killed. It is astonishing bravery. Uh, but on the other side, there is quite amazingly ruthless brutality. And it's, it's a battle between those two attitudes. So moving on to our main segment. Uh, oh, first off, when we're uh, discussing uh, the media, I think it's a good starting point uh, to just discuss our methods and how we consume uh, the news in particular, uh, and just like the general media uh, in general, uh, before we move into a broader discussion and before we start recommending uh, specific news sources. Um, so, uh, Esten, how do you consume the news? Uh, I, uh, I get the, the New York, I, I am a, I'm a show, I'm a neoliberal show, so I get the New York Times, um, mm -hmm. daily briefings in my, in my yep. email, and I get, I get the daily one for, Did he just cut out for you guys? Yep. Yes. Well, he was shilling for the New York Times, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> in, in my video, he is also doing like uh, a target, uh, Hitler salute, so I don't know how it's looking for uh, I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, <laughs> at least not in mine. He's like rubbing his nose. Um, no, no. Mine's like, yeah, I don't want to do it right now. <laughs> yeah, I have, him, I, have him, I have him doing the arm thing too, yeah. Yeah. yeah, nice. Um, Esten, try disconnecting and rejoining the call, if you can hear us. Well, at least he can hear us. Hello? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Nice of you to join us. Sorry, I was just talking about um, Hitler. Um, Perfect. So, mm, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. No, <laughs> just giving off a sig hail. Perfect. <laughs> get my get my news. No, uh, I I'll so I get all the, that in. Fuck, <laughs> no, no, please. Hi, Freddy. <laughs> um, so I get my news from the New York Times. I get the I get the daily news brief, and I also get the coronavirus brief mm -hmm. every morning. Um, because I like to doom scroll in bed before I wake up. I like to learn yep. about how fucked we are in terms of the pandemic. And throughout the day, I I use a variety of social medias, um, mm -hmm. mostly Facebook conspiracy groups. Um, yep. No, I'm on like Reddit and Twitter. And uh, I don't know. I had a subscription to The Atlantic last year for my birthday, and that expired. Freedy got me a subscription to The New York Times, but I don't. I don't like read the articles. I just read the headlines and mm. call myself a learned person. Um, mm. So I'm pretty ignorant about a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to like the U.S. Alex, how do you consume uh, the media? <laughs> well, um, I as I'm pretty abstinent to social media, you know, um, it's the meme on this podcast to have me uh, framed as the anti-social media guy. I'm also not too deep into news like um the uh, most profound uh, news briefing i get every week is from you to be honest and apart from that i use uh the it's called Süddeutsche zeitung um 
from from Munich, and they got a beautiful news ticker in their app. So I mostly use it for convenience reasons, and also their uh, like um, their political um, orientation is most on Parliament. Is uh, they are kind of lip left, so there is room for better stuff. And apart from that, uh, you're gonna name a few um, things. Uh, I I well, just don't go into recommendations gonna... yet. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna. Okay, uh, so uh, that's it. And about coronavirus, it's mostly um, from the uh, RKI Robert Koch Institute, which is uh, the main institute in Germany that uh, is working on uh, keeping up to date with the. Uh, cases of coronavirus in Germany. Uh, Miguel, how do you consume the lamestream media? Uh, I try not to get a lot of news uh, because they are awful. Uh, so I will check like maybe once a day, like a couple newspaper websites just to be like, has anything incredibly big happened that I should probably know about? But if it hasn't, I don't really go into like to look for what they for what they consider relevant. And then uh, mostly like podcasts and stuff that has a slower upload schedule, like weekly or monthly or things like that. I prefer that much more to to the daily news, uh, which probably makes me sound pretty pedantic because that's a thing that pedantic people say nowadays. But <laughs> I still think it's this one. I think they are right on, right? That you shouldn't really follow the daily news. See, I, uh, I, I'm a news junkie, and I always have been. Uh, ever since like I w was like 11, I was that weird kid who brought the newspaper to school. Uh, like that's I've always been like inc incredibly like aware of what's going on in the world. Uh, but the last four years uh, since Trump got elected has been incredibly difficult for me. Uh, and so I, in order to avoid doom scrolling, but to stay informed, I just don't really pay attention to uh, the COVID numbers. Uh, I, I, I keep an update on the vaccines and, you know, things like that and stuff is happening in my community. But I, I tend to just avoid uh, the death toll in particular. Um, I, I'm quite, uh, methodical in, in how I, uh, consume my news. I use an RSS feed, uh, so I just have everything that's posted to, uh, my rec- we'll get into my recommendations, but everything posted to these websites is automatically, uh, sent to an app on my phone, and I wake up, I, I scroll through the- headlines of 100 150 articles i read a few uh, and then i get up in the morning um, that's how i start every day um, and i think we've all touched on something uh, similar in that uh, we all we all listen or we all read lib left news uh and so you know uh Miguel, I, th I think you asked this question in our prep. What is should you read, watch, or listen to liberal sources? Uh, what's everyone's take on that? 
uh, I mean, it sort of depends. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that some of these, uh, like the New York Times or things like that, sometimes have good like journalism, good like uh, investigative journalism, and I think that's very valuable. And I don't think there is like a leftist institution that right now can do something like that. Uh, so, in order to get that part of our information, uh, I think there really isn't a lot of other choice. Then when it comes to opinion stuff, there, uh, I mean, I try to get at least a little bit, uh, just because I actually do think that the like echo bubble problem is real. I think that uh, a lot of people use that in like bad faith arguments. A lot of conservatives uh, have a lot of really bad takes on like echo chambers and all those things. But I do worry sometimes that if I am not hearing what mainstream sources are saying that I might be missing the point sometimes. I usually get very frustrated when I hear opinion points by like liberal thinkers. But I still think that some level of getting those views is important. Uh, but then I also think that I need, at least I need to counter that with more lefty think pieces. Uh, because sometimes these people make really good arguments for really bad things. So you need to be aware of those things. Mm. Right. Um, Aston. Or Alex. Either one of you. Uh, should you watch slash read slash listen to liberal news? I think that's a well, good point when Miguel brings up that they, they have the infrastructure and they make good argument. They have the money and the, you know, yeah. they can pay good reporters and stuff like that. So, and like breaking There's news. There's a lot of good stuff coming from them. Like if you think back at the Panama Papers, it was uh, essentially yeah. a lip left uh, newspaper from Germany that uh, led the investigation with uh, reporters from a few other countries. So uh, you can't condemn them altogether. Uh, but yeah. uh, in Germany, we have an institution called uh, Tagesthemen. It's in the first uh, in ARD. It's a uh, television program number one in Germany. Uh, to say it like that, uh, it's uh, it's a federal uh, thing, and or uh, like a national thing to be more frank here, and uh, they wrap up the day uh, in terms of news and like as i already said i don't consume too many news um, but when i do um, it's scary that it has some links to a lot of the uh, leftist literature i read so uh, first and foremost of course uh, of course uh, chomsky's manufacturing consent is uh, plays a role in there and other things are heavily inspired by my favorite uh, page on the whole internet, which is Marxists.org. I can only recommend to everyone wanting to read up on the actual theory of stuff. And uh, because in the, the Russian revolution was led by a lot of journalists, uh, they had a lot of journalistic influence and uh, when they, when you see on, uh, when they talk about how in opinions are formed through the media, also Jürgen Habermas is big on that one. He uh, basically, basically said, in our society, 
all knowledge we get is uh, brought to us through mass media. It's uh, a really important observation. Uh, you don't have any other uh, source forming ideological uh, preconceptions to say it like this. And it's, it's kind of scary stuff. And now when I, when I look uh, at LibLeft news sources, I can see where they, their arguments come from and where the limitations are. Because um, in Germany, we have a political climate of um, alternativlosigkeit, uh, uh, alternativeless uh, policy, to say it like this. Uh, mostly brought to us by Angela Merkel and one one good quote I read on this one is um, our policy is just uh, has no alternative if you don't want to uh, touch existing power structures so that's the way I see lip left uh, media in general yeah um, I, I'm reminded so, of a. Have you guys? There's a really good podcast called Blowback, and it's about the yeah, the manufacturing the consent for the Iraq War. Oh my God! And the New York Times and their role and their journalists talking about the weapons of mass destruction and all that shit. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend. Yeah. It's a good podcast. Um, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I mean I yeah, it's yeah, it's not a big deal. I was just a kid at the time. I mean, I didn't really know. What was going on so for me it was like a really cool like overview of everything i was watching on tv as a kid i didn't really know what was going on or why so it was really yeah. really interesting to to hear it i was only a year and a half uh years old when 9 11 happened i don't remember any like i don't remember any of it um like my earliest consciousness is you know we're already four years into both war wars basically so uh yeah, I, I can relate uh, to that. Um, so, in general, in this uh, discussion about re uh, reading, I mostly read my news. So, reading uh, liberal media, I do it, obviously. I don't subscribe uh, to the New York Times or... It's like Alcoholics Anonymous right now. I do read <laughs> liberal media. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, it's I, our yeah. self-criticism sessions. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> Red guards are coming for us, um, but no. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, I I don't like follow uh, like the New York Times. I have journalists that I respect and that I follow, and if their work is in the New York Times, I read their pieces. Uh, particularly, that's how I consume like labor reporting. Is like, there's journalists I trust and uh, I respect, and when I see on Twitter they posted an article. I read it and quite often it's in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or something like that. I tend to use news wires much more than I do uh, most like newspapers uh, and just to get like the headlines and just what's happening. Uh, and then I, I go to like leftist sources for commentary. Uh, like I'm vaguely aware of what the liberal chattering class is saying because I am on Twitter, uh, but I, I don't really dive much deeper into that. Um, and one of my going into like our recommendations, like I can't recommend enough uh, just using uh, AFP or AP, uh, just get your headlines from there. Uh, 
And then if you're interested in what the liberals are saying about that, then go into uh, the New York Times or something like that. Or if you see and just keep follow, following journalists has been the best uh, thing I've ever done. I, I could just like filter out the chaff. Um, and so uh, who wants to start us off on our recommendation lists? Um, and when we do this, just say what you're recommending and kind of why you like it. Um, okay, I can go ahead. Uh, okay. My perhaps biggest recommendation is the New Internationalist magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you know it. It's like a magazine published in the UK. There's a print edition every two months. I get the print edition. Uh, it's very nice that the print edition comes with like 30 pages on the same topic from a global perspective. So for example, uh, the last one arrived like two days ago at my home. I haven't read it yet, uh, but it's about democracy. The prior one was about biodiversity. There was one about uh, the, the plight of the Kurds recently. There's all sorts of stories that are developed fully. And I really like that. And from an internationalist perspective, which I think if you, for whatever reason, are listening to this podcast, you are probably interested in. Uh, so I really enjoy that they also have a lot of authors that are from the Global South, not just reporting on the Global South. Uh, and that they for, they also have like uh, this... Uh, hall of infamy where they report about the worst stuff that's going on in the world or like the worst leaders you've never heard of because they don't make the news because they are not enemies of the united states uh, so their crimes go unnoticed so i really like that uh and then i can also recommend if you happen to speak spanish uh there's a uh, online magazine called nueva sociedad uh nuso.org and it is all about uh, Latin America and what's going on in Latin America, uh, news and opinion pieces and analysis, and it's very, very good. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, go check that out if you speak Spanish. Yeah, I don't, but uh, the, uh, all of these sources will be no. linked in show notes. <laughs> it's, it's going to be a long show notes list, uh, but I, I want everyone to have access to all of this. Um, thank you, Miguel, for sharing. Um, Aston, Alex, do you have any? I want to go next. I want to go next. Okay. Okay. Um, so I really like the the World Socialist website. I go there for mm. my commentary. Um, I also listen to a lot of podcasts and YouTube, but in terms of written stuff, it's the World Socialist website. Mm. Uh, as well as, I like the what I kind of like some of the stuff from Progressive International. Like they they run like a yeah. little newswire, um, so I, I like their pieces. I follow them pretty closely. Um, yeah. And then what else? Oh, Descent is a good magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really know where it's from. Maybe the UK or something. Descent magazines, uh, a American like social democratic paper. Yeah, yeah. So I like that one. I I went through a crazy phase of like trying to find all of the. Um, lefty magazines and newspapers. Yeah. So there's a lot. I mean, like the Militant is another one, and um, oh boy, the Electronic in the Electronic Intifada is about uh, Iraq. Yeah. Um, 
it's so a great I got song. that one from that podcast actually, and I I really like it. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll leave yeah. it there. Alex, um, yeah, I do you just have uh, any opened up your list, and I'm just gonna touch on a few of them. Like uh, Aston already mentioned, the World Socialist website, uh, which is good for. Uh, broad access to news from a leftist perspective, I think. Also, mm -hmm. of course, uh, the Jacobin for commentary. Um, of course, uh, Slava Zizek brought me uh, to this one because uh, in her earlier days, and now again, he is published on the Jacobin, which is nice. Um, also, I like uh, New Left Review. Mm -hmm. um, and for all German and and uh, French speakers uh, among our uh, audience, I really want to recommend Arte. It's um, the media cooperation, the uh, cooperation between uh, Germany and France, and they do a lot of big stuff uh, on all topics uh, around the world. Uh, they just dropped a nine episode, every episode uh, lasting an hour um, documentary on the Vietnam War. And they all all stuff they uh, they report on is just done so in depth that you uh, can lose yourself in what they are doing. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Now, I have a shit ton of recommendations. Um, and so first off, I'm going to start off with Newswires. I can't sing their praises highly enough. No media is... Can you define it? Can you? What's a Newswire? Like, I, is that like a, uh, in I'm my email? Okay. I'm about to okay. tell you. Okay. okay. So a, a wire service... I uh, right. So a wire service is a company... Uh, that uh, has reporters across the world and the, the job is just to get the headline and to get just a brief blurb and they send and they sell the stories to newspapers um, so a lot of times open a, a newspaper that's not the New York Times a lot of the New York Times actually but open up any newspaper um, you're going to see most of the articles were written by or uh written uh, in a court like uh, alongside an article from Associated Press, Reuters, um, Agence France Press. Uh, all of these are terrific. Uh, Reuters and AP, just pick one. You don't need to follow both. I, I friend, you're cut off. Yeah, he's making out. It's French. It's much better with its coverage over Africa because, you know, it's a former colonial power. It's quite interesting in what's happening in Africa. So it has a lot of reporters there. So if you kind of want to keep abreast of what's going on, uh, it's a good follow. Um, I am interested in a lot of Jewish news. So I also, there is a Jewish telegraphic agency, which is a newswire for Jewish news. And if you want to know what's happening in the Jewish diaspora or in Israel, you follow JTA. It's fantastic. Um, and so that's where I get like my headlines and the bulk of the news. Uh, fair warning, if you just follow their RSS feeds, you will get a lot of news articles, uh, like hundreds a day. They literally report everything. 
but just scroll through. If you like a, think a story is interesting, look at it, read the headline, and then go to your uh, publication of choice, and they're going to write more about it. Uh, so, moving on into leftist commentary. Uh, oh, if I may for a moment. Yeah. Uh, there's also a great book. Uh, I forget the name. I think it has some lame title, like Breaking News or something. But it's a history of the Associated Press. And yep. it is a fascinating read. I recommend it. I read it when I thought I wanted to be a journalist, which, thank God, I moved out of that phase. <laughs> uh, but that book is still a very, very nice book. It's a good book. Oh. I've read it, too. It's oh, good. Really? Um, okay. I have a, can I say something before we transition? Sorry. Go and ahead. I, I'll try to make short. So... Uh, uh, my significant other works for the news that german oh i can't really say which one she likes to be a little secret about it she's not she's german so her private information is very important anyway so she works for the news uh, <laughs> not as a reporter anyway um so but she was telling me about how like young world better lists should get in the news and i was like well we're not really like at that stage where we deserve yeah. to be in the news but she said that we could write like press releases and then send them to those like newswire um, agencies. Yeah, it's and then they simple. like, and they just like automatically, and then you just like hope that newspapers pick it up. And that's well, what you can also, all day long. You can also send it to papers as well. Yeah, directly. Oh. Yeah. But like writing press releases, and I was like, I don't know what we would talk about, like at events on our Discord channel, and we like send those no. to them. No. <laughs> you want to do it for a Discord event, but if you, there's going to be. A rally or in life real world activism you definitely the local or whatever should uh send a press release to the local news but also just to uh, news wires um that that's like standard activism uh, uh you gotta get in the news if you want to get public oh um, wow that's so crazy so, i had no idea so that really blew my mind so i'm gonna look more into that i've written a few it's it's not a big deal it's pretty straightforward um so moving on to leftist commentary uh i have quite a few uh starting off with uh le monde diplomatique uh which is was founded as like an internet it's a monthly paper uh that was an international supplement uh to le monde which is the french newspaper record that has center left views uh diplomatic is much farther to the left than le monde uh and it's just fantastic uh, if you want to read uh, takes on international politics. Uh, it, it, for me, it's unmatched. Uh, I can't recommend and, it highly enough. Yes. And they publish in Esperanto too. So all of you Esperantists out there, it's pretty nice read. It's a pretty nice read. Dude, they, they publish in a lot um, of languages. You can get it in English, you can get it in Spanish and French, I believe. Um, you can get it in like Norwegian as well. Uh, it, it, it's pretty good. Um, as Alex has already uh, mentioned, there's Jacobin magazine. Uh, in Jacobin, you just get a wide breadth of uh, writers that are on the new, new left. Uh, so it, it's kind of interesting to see different arguments that are being played out. Recently, there was an article about the need for a world government, uh, which was pretty good. Um, current affairs, uh, as much as I shit on Nathan J. Robinson, uh, he's a snack and, uh, current affairs by far has like the best artwork out of 
any of my recommendations uh, and occasionally has like a really good take um already mentioned world uh socialist website um it's all right occasionally <laughs> has some good stuff uh i i it's don't like silly. David they're North. so hardcore yeah i don't like david north either he's so they're really like really hardcore yeah. i don't know it's not really um, like, like you're wrong so for i i prefer i prefer uh socialist revolution uh or in defense of marxism which is the uh organs for uh the international marxist tendency so if you want trotskyist news i recommend that um Ooh, i want haaretz is uh the journal record in israel it's lib left it used to be a socialist magazine uh it's good if you want to know what's going on in israel um jewish currents now that's an american diaspora paper that is far to the left and it's terrific uh black agenda report it is the only paper of the black left in America. You should definitely follow it. Uh, I particularly like Pascal Robert, um, who is a fantastic Haitian American writer. Um, then you get, of course, the classic, the new left review, not much to say. It's terrific. It always has interesting people. Uh, you have Africa is a country. This is, uh, one of the papers that, uh, is in the progressive internationals wire, uh, it's fantastic. It's a pan-Africanist uh, perspective that I particularly like. Then you have Open Democracy, which uh, is just a fantastic independent uh, journalism website that focuses on so many issues uh, that it's truly astounding. Uh, and then you have Tribune, which is basically Jacobin, but in the UK. I enjoy it. Uh, just a word to the wise. Do not get your news from Russia today. I shouldn't have to say this, but it's prevalent among the American left. Uh, just because it's Russian state propaganda doesn't mean it's that much better than American propaganda. Um, don't follow liberation news. It's not worth your time unless you're a tanky. Um, and just don't watch cable news in general, because if you're watching your news through cable, you're not getting the news. And don't get your news from social media, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, mean, like those yeah. websites are not designed. This guy on Twitter said that you're wrong, Miguel. So, I mean, at, at least check in, into the social media stuff. I, I got one guy on Telegram telling me that he's the only one who is spreading real news. So, I, I'm kind of <laughs> torn on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're going to end this episode. Uh, I've been one of your hosts, Brandon. You can follow me at OffBrandons on Twitter. Um, you can also follow this podcast at most moderate on Twitter. You can email this podcast at most moderate uh, at gmail.com. Uh, Miguel, do you want to do you want to share your social media? Nah, I'm good. Uh, okay. I don't really use it, so like. <laughs> okay, Aston. Uh, yeah, uh, become a young world federalist. YWF.world slash join. Give us your money. Yeah. Uh, Alex, I'm not even going to ask you. I also forgot. Monthly review. I don't agree with most of the stuff that's in monthly review, but it's good. It's also the only one I have within reaching distance. Uh, follow the news. It's pretty good for you. Uh, until it's not. Because then you're reading about yeah. genocide every week. Uh, all right. Ooh, that's fascism in this episode, guys. guys that was good. And talk about fascism. It's always the same.